but our Savior wins and He lives in us and we live in Him and that victory is ours and therefore we have joy and peace because we've learned how to push through the pain. Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. In the 16th chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us to rejoice in our tribulations. How is that possible? Well, it's because He has overcome the world. And since He lives in us, we overcome our problems with His presence. Here's David with part two of Pushing Through Pain to Joy. Folks, press on through, continue to believe. Your morning can turn into joy and use prayer as one of those instruments that will allow that joy to come into your hearts. Look, when you go to a church and lots of people come, it shows how popular the preacher is. But when there's a prayer time that's called, that shows how popular God is. Because at that moment, you know you're depending upon Him and Him alone for every sufficiency in our church. This past week, we had one of our members, Keith Bridges, who was facing potential amputation because of an infection that had gotten into his leg. The doctors were counseling with Kathy, the wife, and saying, we don't know what to do. It looks terrible. We probably should amputate. And we just kept praying. We just kept praying. We kept pushing through. We kept believing that God is able. And folks, bottom line, this week we got the news that amazingly, suddenly, that infection's starting to heal. Keith is walking in the name of Jesus. There's something in the power of that name. And when you continue to pray in the power of that name, your sorrow can turn to joy. That's what Jesus says. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full, that it may be complete, that you can experience all that God wants to give you. Don't forget to ask, seek, and knock in the name of Jesus. Keep praying. Don't give up. There's that illustration in... Luke 18, with the persistent widow, it had some kind of unjust thing done to her, and the parable begins with these words from Jesus. I'm teaching you this parable so that you won't give up and you'll continue to pray. And he tells the parable about the unjust judge. She keeps banging on his door over and over and over again until finally the unjust judge relents and gives her the request of her heart. And it just shows again what Jesus meant to tell us in that parable. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep persisting. Your joy can come. You can receive even justice through faith. Because in verse 8 in that parable, Jesus says, when I come back again, and he's coming back again. Our Lord is coming back again. He asked the question, will I find faith on earth? Will I find faith on earth as we persist in prayer, believing Believing we've received, understanding his power, we can see him work in magnificent ways. Now, how does that work with the illustration I gave you earlier about Jesus submitting himself and saying, not my will but yours? I think you'll know if God's will is not what you particularly want. I mean, there are some times God doesn't give us what he wants. And as you look back over your life as followers of Jesus, you should say many times, Lord, thank you for not giving me that thing I persisted in prayer over. After a while, you showed me that was not your will, and you opened up yet another door for me, and that's where the joy came from. So you do submit to the Father, but the last thing you do is submit to the Father. After you have persisted in prayer, and he's closed that door, and you know where he wants you to go. Don't make it the first thing you do. What we do too often as Christians is we just kind of pray an impotent prayer, attach Jesus' name, and then say, your will, not mine when there is no real heartfelt questing for whatever it is that God may will. Don't give up on the power of prayer. It is a way to turn your sorrow to joy. 
Let's continue. Verse 25, Jesus said, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Now, before, Jesus would tell about the kingdom by using parables, and the disciples had to work hard to understand them. They were figures of speech. But Jesus said, after my resurrection, I'm going to speak more plainly to you. One example is Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus. He's with two disciples. They don't recognize Jesus in his resurrected form, and he takes all of them through the entire Old Testament and shows how all of the Old Testament pointed to him. In the six-hour walk, he showed how all of the Old Testament Testament pointed to him. And by the way, January the 9th, we're going to begin our trek through the Old Testament. I'm going to show you in the weeks and months to come how it all points to Jesus, every single bit of it, by the kids' books that we are presenting to you. Make sure you parents teach your kids this as well. And all those books are available online or at our worship services so that you can have them, again, beginning on January the 9th. But Jesus said, it's been kind of difficult right now because I've been speaking to you less plainly figuratively, but now you're going to hear in plain language what I wanted you to hear. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So the the day is coming when you really understand the resurrection power of Jesus. Jesus isn't going to be necessarily needing to be praying for them at that point. They'll have that power within them. Now, you need to know that in Romans, the eighth chapter, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit is inside of us. And when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit is praying to the Father on our behalf, asking for the Father's will to be done. So if you don't know what to pray for, you can simply say, Holy Spirit, keep praying for me. But in Romans 8.36, Jesus himself says, I regularly make intercession for you as well. So you need to know right now, if you love Jesus and his Holy Spirit lives within you, Jesus is in you as well, and he is regularly interceding for every need that you may have, even especially if you don't know what those needs may be. And Jesus said, this is reality because I came from the Father. It all began with the incarnation. It all began with the Christmas season celebration. All of this power, all of this presence, all of this prayer that's given to us is given to us because it began with the incarnation, God being birthed in a stable in Bethlehem. And folks, you need to know that all the people out there who want to say happy holidays, let them say happy holidays. But the Christmas season was formed by people who wanted America to remember the incarnation of God in human flesh in Jesus because that began the whole ability for all of us to have the presence and power of Jesus himself. Don't ever forget that. Verse 28, I came from the Father. There it is again, the incarnation. I came from the Father and have come into the world and now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. That's the ascension. Verse 29, his disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly. (laughs) Now we get it, and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Folks, may I ask you, do you now believe? That the Father sent his Son into the world to die on the cross to take your sins upon himself so that you can have the Holy Spirit dwell in your heart, which is now holy and forgiven. And it's done by grace through faith, not of works. Do you believe that? That's what Jesus is asking here. Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming indeed. It has come when you will be scattered each up to his own home 
and will leave me alone. The hours come within the next few hours when Jesus is arrested and then taken before Pilate and nailed on that cross, they're scattering. In fulfillment of a prophecy in the Old Testament where it says the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will be scattered, all of them run away. Except John, he stays at the foot of the cross, but we're not sure all that he's thinking even. But all the other disciples ran away. And Jesus said to them, you know, go to Galilee. He said through an angel to the women, tell the disciples, go to Galilee, and there I'll meet them, and especially tell Peter, because Peter will have denied me three times. His heart's going to be so filled with sorrow. I'm going to especially meet him and show him my love, grace, and forgiveness. There's going to be sorrow. You're going to be scattered. You're going to be left alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. You see again there the plurality of the Godhead. One God, but the Father and Son are together here. And then the silent sovereign who only wants to glorify Jesus. We looked at that last week. He just wants to point people to Jesus. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all dwell in this intimate relationship so that Jesus said, you're going to be alone, but I'll never be alone because the Father and I dwell so closely and intimately with one another. And then verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. I'm telling you these things so that in me you may have peace. So if you invite Jesus into your heart, that means that he lives in you, but another amazing supernatural phenomenon occurs, you live in Jesus. It is a strange, mystical, unexplainable reality, but you live in Jesus, and he lives in you, and you are inextricably intertwined and interconnected with one another. And Jesus says, as you are rooted in me in this way, you're going to have joy, which he just talked about. You're also going to have peace. That word is shalom. It means the full blessing of God. It means the tranquility of knowing that you are being taken care of no matter what. Um, Look at it this way. Our world defines peace as the absence of conflict. Uh, we sign an Abraham peace accord between Israel and the Saudis, for example, and they're supposedly now going to have peace between them. But those peace accords on this side of eternity can be so quickly broken. But the peace we have with Jesus is rooted in his presence. Let me say it again. His peace is rooted in his presence, so that Christmas is far more about God's presence in Jesus, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, -E, than giving presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, to one another and our children. And what gives us peace? It is the reality that we have an abiding, personal, intimate, and eternal relationship with Jesus who is in us and we're in him, the result of that is peace because we know there's nothing we face that he isn't with us and giving us the strength to overcome. And that's why Jesus ends this section in this way. In the world, as you live on this side of eternity, you will have tribulation. You disciples will. Again, the whole lie of the prosperity gospel is you believe in Jesus, you never have tribulation. It's just not true. Those preaching it are false teachers. We are going to have tribulation. Again, we live in broken bodies, in broken relationships, um, with, in a broken world. We're just going to have tribulation. But then Jesus continues and says to all of us, but take heart. Uh, that word means take courage. Uh, it, we work out of what is deep within us. So Jesus is saying, let me take over your complete life and I'll fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit and you'll have courage in your heart. Take heart, be courageous, 
I have overcome the world. He has, folks. He has. Why are you worried? Why are you fearful? Jesus has overcome all the brokenness that is around us. Do we live in broken bodies? Absolutely. With Jesus in us, the moment these bodies die, and every single one will, it is the proof of the doctrine of original sin. We all die when these bodies die. For those of us who believe in Jesus, we simply take this one off like I take off his coat and put on a new resurrection eternal body that never cries, never has tears, never has pain. It is perfect in every way. He has overcome this world. So we live in a broken world with hurricanes, tornadoes, etc. Well, he's going to come back again, and he's going to remake, restore this world to original intent, to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1 and 2. One day, when Jesus returns, everything in this broken world is going to be fixed, and this is where we're going to live. We, we go to heaven, but we come back to live here with Jesus. This is going to be our eternal home after he restores all things, this creation unto himself. And, and broken relationships, there aren't going to be haters in heaven. There aren't going to be critics in heaven. There are not going to be cynics in heaven. There are not going to be victims in heaven. We live in a culture, folks, that exalts victimhood right now. And people find their identity in the bad thing that's happened to them. So intersectionality allows all people who've had microaggressions or macroaggressions against them to come together in their victimhood and to be a strength, if you will. Our identity, though, is not found in what's happened to us. Our identity is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. He enters our hearts, and therefore we're blood-bought believers, and we only have brothers and sisters in the family of God, call the church, and in the new creation, only brothers and sisters in Christ will be here, and they will operate as I will operate perfectly in relationship with one another. Jesus said, rejoice. Don't let the brokenness of this world overcome you. Don't be a victim. Be a victor. Understand Romans 8.37, we're more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. That word more than conquerors, huper nike, huper, hyper. The Greek huper means hyper. Nike is the word in the Greek, the word in which Nike gets conquerors, victors. We Christians are huper nikes. We're more than conquerors because of the love of Jesus. And that love, folks, conquers all. So as, as we live in him and he lives in us, we rejoice because we know we'll one day have a perfect body. We know one day we'll live in a perfect world. We know we'll have perfect relationships around us. And we look forward to that day. And nothing, nothing can ever take that away from us. So live in that victory. Live in the power of the resurrection. Know that Jesus has won. Let me conclude with this illustration. Uh, some of you know that I'm a big baseball fan. I love the Atlanta Braves. I love baseball probably because I went to games with my dad way back when when I was a little boy, and we just loved watching baseball together for many years until he passed away. Love the Atlanta Braves because I went to seminary in Atlanta and started watching games there, going to games, and they just became my team. Well, they last won a world championship in 1995. They'd had a couple of close tries, but no cigar. But this year, something seemed different, and they kept getting better and getting better and getting better. And they won the National League uh, Championship Series, and then they went to the World Series and won it. But in this National Championship Series against the L.A. Dodgers, there was this moment where it was tense, 
Nobody knew what was going to happen. The Dodgers were really, really good. It looked like the Braves could maybe finally break through in defeating the Dodgers, what they hadn't been able to do for almost a decade. And interestingly, at one point in one of the key games, the Dodgers had runners on second and third with nobody out, and the Braves were up by two, and if they won that game, they could take control of the series. And here's what I did. I got afraid. I turned off the TV and refused to watch. I said, I can't do it. This is too much. Well, my son's texting me and going, boy, second and third, nobody out. What do you think is going to happen? And I didn't want him to know that I'd cowered out, so I just texted back, I'm not sure, I hope it ends well. And then about 10 minutes later, I get a text from him and go, wow, can you believe that? And I went, oh, no. So I quickly turned the TV back on to find out Tyler Matzik, the Braves' left-handed reliever, struck out three straight Dodgers on 12 pitches. Nine of them strike, struck them all out, and the Braves went on to win the game and then win the NLCS and then the World Series. Now, here's what's fun. I just love occasionally to type in on my Google, Tyler Matzik, Dodgers, strikeouts. And in three minutes, I can watch what happened during that moment. And you know what's different than when it was live? I was a coward. I was fearful. I went, oh no. <sighs> Turned it off. <sighs> Worst is going to happen. But now I know what really happened. The victory occurred. The resurrection happened. And the Braves won the game. And I can watch now those three minutes. And every time I watch it, and I've watched it like 10 or 15 times, I get chills. I get joy. Why? Because I know who won. I know what happened. Dear friends, you follow somebody who has struck out the devil. You have somebody who has defeated him. The resurrection proves it. His ascension to glory proves it. His second coming, a promise yet to be proven. But our Savior wins, and he lives in us, and we live in him, and that victory is ours, and therefore we have joy and peace because we've learned how to push through the pain. We've learned how to push through the tribulation. Come on now, push, push. Can't you just hear Jesus saying that to you? Come on, push. Don't give up. Keep pushing. Keep praying. Keep believing. Push, push. And one day, the baby's laid in our arms and all that we went through, all that we went through is joyous. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a conversation about how to approach this new year with hope. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp, holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. And most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, 
residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the Mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church. I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Jen, and Happy New Year to you and the Houston family. Well, Happy New Year to the Chadwicks. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, what a great greeting for both of us today to one another and to all of our listeners. Happy New Year tomorrow, and we want it to be the greatest new year of your life. The verse we want to emphasize today as we move into 2022 is Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, where God says, Behold, I make all things new. I looked up the word all in the dictionary this week, Jen. Guess what it means? All? All. It it means exactly that (laughs) Jesus makes all things new as we trust him. You know, that verse is on the outside of the Dove's Nest, which is a women's facility here in the city of Charlotte that helps homeless or addicted women get back on their feet. Uh, My dear friend Tony Marciano made sure that verse was on the outside because he wanted every woman who enters to read it, behold, I make all things new, giving them new hope. new life, and new purpose. But that verse isn't just for those women. That verse is for every single one of us who entrusts our lives to Jesus. Think about this, Jen, how often in the Bible God says, I want to give you a new song. I want to give you a new place. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Just how often God wants to do that the greatest of which is you are a new creation in Jesus. The old has passed away and the new has come. So this day, you and I, Jen, wanted to give our listeners a special hope Mm -hmm. to believe that God is able to take your past and to bury it deep into the heart of the sea, that he does not remember your sins anymore. And he wants to do a new thing in your life, create a new hope in your heart. And when you realize that, you can face today and tomorrow and all of your life knowing that the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in your heart, and he wants to give you that same power and new hope today and forever. This is so encouraging, and I know, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler alert, but I know you have some revelation that you have learned about being a new creation and that you will be speaking on this this coming year. Yeah, if anybody would like to come to Moments of Hope Church on January the 2nd, I'll do a Through the Bible sermon that ties the Bible together from Genesis to Revelation in 35 to 40 minutes. Then on January the 9th, we're going to march through the Bible and we're going to show how God created this world perfect, how it fell, and then the redemptive story beginning with Abraham to Jesus and then to his second coming that is the Bible's message. And I look forward to sharing with that because that's what the Bible's all about is to give us that hope. Yes, I love that so much. And us now being new creations and what that really means. Oh, Jen, we're new creations. The old has passed away. Mm -hmm. The new has come. Therefore, we should live in this great hope. So again, everyone bury your problems, your sins in the heart of the sea, they can't be seen. Receive the grace, love, and Jesus anew. 
Preach the gospel to yourself mm-hmm. every morning of this next year. Know that God loves you more than you can ever hope for or imagine. He will give you that hope that you need to make it through this day. And always remember, if the sun comes up in the morning, there's always hope. Guess what happened this morning, folks? The sun came up. There's always hope. Happy 2022. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moment of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's Hopecast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston wishing you a very happy new year.